Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. This is incredible. Um, I'm really excited to, uh, to jump into the Word this morning. Man, Friday morning press, that's really messed me up. <laughs> I, I go in with, and I, I, I'm like going somewhere on Sunday, and then all of a sudden, Friday morning, we get in before the Lord, and then things just start to shift. So I, I'm sharing that because uh, it ties into where we were last week, but it's a little bit different than um, where I thought we were going to go. So last, last uh, Sunday, and, and I feel like, let me say this, I, I know because just of the hunger in this room and, and the Lord right here, um, I just feel I'm very confident where God's taking us this morning. But um, last, last week, we were talking about God and government, and, and we were... We said we're going to work through these four questions, really prepare our hearts. And one was, who has my heart, right? And that's where we were. And we said that this Sunday we'd work through three other questions. Um, not going to do it quite like that. So let me first say that we are going to get into those questions because they're so, so important. But what we're going to do is um, tomorrow we actually have SUM Chapel for our Bible college right here. So I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, how would this work? Because I really felt this on my heart. I knew I needed to get those, those questions in. And, and he said, preach it tomorrow. So tomorrow, from 1 to 2, we have uh, a chapel in here. And so there's three things. One, you're more than welcome to join here. So we're going to finish that off because it's really important because we're going to talk about important issues, pro-Israel, pro-life. Like These are really important is, uh, issues, and, and we do need to talk about those things. Um, so I, I encourage you to be here if you can't. Then we're going to live stream it. So we'll live stream it so you can watch it from home. And if you can't do that, we're actually, as soon as we're done with it, we're going to uh, just cut it real quick and put it in the email and send it out to the email so you can watch it later tonight. So I really hope that you would engage that because it's super important. I really felt the Lord on what we were sharing last week, all right? So, but I just couldn't stop what was burning in my heart. And it kind of is like, if last week was kind of part one and tomorrow's now part two, it's like 1A, it kind of is still touching into where we were last week and, uh, I'm just excited. My heart's like burning for this. So why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. of your Bible, you can look on, on your phone. So in light of all that's happening right now in, in our, in really in the world and especially in our, in our country, I felt, I felt God really stir me to just kind of come up higher like we were sharing last week and really see things from his perspective and really catch like the weight of this moment. And, uh, and so I just want you to track along with me for a little bit. I, I do believe, like, God is really in this, and, uh, and then we're going to take some time to pray at the end. Uh, but Jesus taught in Luke chapter 12. By the way, is this too loud in here? Is this all right? Is it all right? Luke, Luke, well, I might get excited, so Ray, just work with me. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verses 54 to 56, Jesus taught, um, actually, he rebuked a crowd. And the reason why he rebuked them and, and, and the and like the, the, the meaning behind it was he says that you're able to discern earthly seasons. He says you can look at the, the clouds, you know when it's about to rain, you can see the wind, and you know when there's a scorching heat coming in. He says, but you can't interpret the time that you're in right now, meaning the spiritual season that you're in. Now, he was talking about the Messiah being with them. He said, you, you can tell, like right now we're in fall, we know that leaves are falling, and in the natural sense we can say, wow, winter is approaching. We can discern the earthly season, but Jesus would say, but can you discern the spiritual season? 
Can we discern what's actually happening in this moment, I believe, in our nation right now? Like, there's a lot that is going on, and I believe as Christians, we really, in this country, need to discern what is happening. And I believe we're living in an incredible, significant moment in history. And we need leaders and churches that are rightly discerning the hour that we are living in so that we can rightly respond to the situation. Jeremiah, one of my favorite uh, scriptures as of uh, recently with leadership is Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 11, where God rebukes the leadership of Jeremiah's day. And the reason why is he says, you offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. In other words, he says, you give band-aids for where there's deep, deep gushing wounds in people's hearts. Like there's so much that's going on, both that we can see in the natural and behind that, in the supernatural. And I just feel like as leaders and as churches, like we can't be giving like these little band-aid responses to this. Like, what does the church do in this hour? What are we supposed to be doing? Like, how do we engage with the Lord in this season? And, and I really believe that Psalm, Psalm 2 is such a picture of the hour that we are living in. Psalm 2 is a picture of a crisis. Now, let me be clear. We're going to share that, but then we're going to see it from the Lord's perspective, and we're going to see how we respond. But Psalm chapter 2, I believe like this is, this is, is, is a picture of the hour and the time that we are in. Are you with me? And so David, David writes this psalm, and he writes it, I believe, in the spirit of prophecy. In other words, he's describing what I believe is actually happening and unfolding right before our eyes this day. Now, let me, let me, let me read this, guys, and we're going to hit a few different scriptures, but just track along with me. Psalm chapter 2, I'm going to read the first three verses. This is David in the spirit of prophecy. He says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? It's a question. He says, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So he says, the nations, the rulers, they actually come together to come against the anointed. Now, who's that? That's, that's Jesus, actually. That's why it's a spirit of prophecy, because he's actually speaking of Christ, who is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And what do they do? It says, saying this, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And so Psalm 2 is a picture of a crisis that I believe is something that describes what was, what is, and what will be happening. In fact, it will, as we read in the scriptures, it actually happens in an intensifying manner. That is that the kings of the earth, the rulers, actually set themselves against the leadership of Jesus. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, um, it was uh, when Peter and John had healed a man, then they got before the Sanhedrin. They were uh, put into prison, actually. When they were released, they came back with the disciples. They actually quote this scripture right here, and they say that this was partially fulfilled at the crucifixion of Jesus and also what they were experiencing afterwards. They quote this very scripture. Then in Revelation, you actually have John quotes this very scripture again in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, as a sign of what is to come in the end-time prophecy before the Lord returns. In other words, from beginning to end, from Christ's first coming to his second coming, there is a prophetic word that nations, rulers, will set themselves up to come against the leadership of Jesus. What does that mean? You know, it says, look, the nations rage. It says the kings of the earth, the rulers take counsel. You're talking about a unified assault against, again, the leadership of the Lord. It's a unified assault from those that actually have the highest positions. This is not my word. This is actually the word of God. I don't want to break this. I'm going to move this so I don't kill myself. What would that look like today? You're talking about government officials. You're talking about uh, people that hold the highest positions, guys. If we actually step back and look at what the Word's saying, the Word says that people in these places will actually set themselves to come against the Lord. 
they will not just, they will rage, it says. In other words, it'll not just be differing opinions. It'll not just be criticism. It will not just be opposition in, in a very informal sense. It's going to be rage. That's a violent uproar. It does not take a rocket scientist to realize that we're in a measure of this right now. Right now. But just have, just stay with me. There's so much hope because in moments where there's great shaking and there's great raging become some of the greatest outpourings of God's glory. And I really believe like if the church starts discerning rightly and stops speaking bubblegum messages to things and actually get our hearts before the Lord, there is a glory that's going to be outpoured. Like we're going to see the things that God has declared, but we've got, to, we've got to respond rightly in this. And so what do they do? Verse 3, the kings of the earth, the rulers, it says their strategy is let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, what they're saying is let us purge society and culture of the word of God. We need to drive out the truth of God and the influence of God in our society. We don't want it around anymore. We don't want the truth of God in here anymore. We've set ourselves up as king and we've come against his word and we come against his leadership. We remove God from all spheres of society. We'll take him out of government. We'll take him out of the schools. We want him driven out. Do we not see these things actually taking place, right? This is actually the very hour that we're living in. They're actually saying we want to get free from him. We see the moral standard of Jesus as bondage. It's like cords. Following the word of God in, in his ways, it's like enslaves us and it prevents us from living in our full potential. Now, obviously, it's the enemy that perverts this because true life and the abundant life comes from living with Christ. But this is like the, the spiritual warfare that's actually going on behind the scenes in our nation right now. He says, listen, I, I believe this. They will hate his claims of divinity. They'll hate his descriptions of purity. That's what's happening right now. I don't care if you believe in Jesus, just don't say he's the only way. <laughs> to say that you believe is Jesus is the only way to heaven, you're, you're a bigot, you're, you're, it's elitism. Beloved, there's no perfect man that ever walked on this earth and became sin except one. It's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, it's Jesus. This is not an hour for the church to get silent, but God is looking for those that would stand in truth to speak it, not in a, in a way that's, that, that's condemning, not at all, but we stand on his word. Like, this is a really significant hour that we are in. Listen, I'll get into more of these things tomorrow, but, but even the, 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 uh, the hate is definitions of purity. It's like there, there's not only a, a resistance to the truth of God, there's a celebration of the things that are counter to God's word. It's crazy. Like, the, the, it, there's so much that's going on. And the world is in desperate need of a church that arises for truth. Like, we, we really need, we need a move of God in this hour. Because I'm going to get into that. How, how does a church make an impact when nations are raging? We can't go as business as usual. It cannot be in this hour. The Lord's saying, do you discern the season? Like, some of us are just hoping. And I, and I mean, like myself, when COVID started, I was like, I hope it just, just passes by. And I feel like the Lord is saying, no, 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 you, you've got to engage this hour. This isn't something that's passing by to get back to normalcy. The Lord is saying, no, no, there's, a, there's an hour where we need the church to really step up and engage with him. I believe this is honestly the hour that we are living in. And so we need to see it. But listen to me, we need to see it. And I could go way much further than this. We need to see it. But we do not need to cower to it. We do not need to fear to it. We don't need to, like, step down and be shaken by it. I believe, I believe the Lord wants us to see it on 
this natural level. David is first ex- explaining what's happening on a natural level. He's saying, to the natural eye, this is what it looks like. Nations raging, rulers of the earth coming together, seeking to come against Jesus and his word and his truth. And if you look just from there, you can get pretty discouraged. But what God wants to do is see it from there, but not engage it from there. He wants us to come up higher to his perspective of the one that is seated in victory and start declaring and decreeing how the Father sees it. The Father wants us to get confident in how he sees things. So even though there's a lot that's unfolding before our eyes, we're not moving according to that truth. Like we're not denying that it's not there, we see it, but we're moving according to a different truth. In fact, look at, look at verse 8 real quick. This is, uh, man, this is so, so incredible. It says, ask of me. This is actually of the son. The father and son are, are talking here. And uh, the father says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. In other words, the nations are raging. The rules of earth are coming against the son's inheritance. And we need to see how the father responds when, when the rules of the earth come against the son's inheritance. He says, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> And God wants us to get confident in the Father's heart for what's happening right now. And I believe, like, the nations will still come in. In fact, many of those that oppose him now are going to get rocked by the Lord as well. So look at, look at this. Look at um, verse 4. I want to just keep reading this. Verse 4. It's like the scene closes and a new scene opens up. And now we're seeing from God's, the Father's perspective. And David shows us this. He says, look, he says, he who sits in the heavens, laughs. <laughs> so we just saw an earthly perspective. Nations raging and saying, what in the world's happening in our nation, in our country, in this world? It seems like the dominant voice of the day is these things that are coming against it. Is the church over? And then God says, will my people just come away up into the heavens for a moment? Like Jesus says, come up a little higher. And you see a father who's not even standing. He sits while the nations just go and rage and the kings of the earth. Father sits in heaven and says, I have it under control. And he laughs. Now, that's a frightening laugh. <laughs> that's a scary laugh. I've actually, there's actually a sermon that was preached, the most frightening laugh in history. <laughs> and it was this, but it's a reality. It's a reality. In fact, we won't get into it, but later on, there's a plea for the rulers and the kings of the earth to come and rule wisely because this is what will happen in, in the end. But it says this, the Lord holds them in derision, verse 5, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, look at verse 6, as for me, he says, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. While the kings of the earth set themselves, the father says, I've already set my king. He already has my endorsement. I didn't need your vote. I put him there. There's no one like him. He's seated there now. He'll be there forever. Nothing will move that. And I, again, I believe David is showing us how the Father sees so that we can be assured of victory. And in this hour, we're not saying, well, you know, it's just all going to go down the drains. No, no, we're going to start contending for the inheritance of Christ, which is the nations. Look, look, look how verse 1 even started. Go back to that. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? In other words, David already knows right from the outset what's going to happen. He's saying, why? Why would they do this? <laughs> Don't they know the Father sits in heaven and the Son who will forever reign at his right hand? It's in vain. It's unto nothing. So when we look back and we see all the stuff that's happening on, happening right now, guys, like this is what's got to grip our heart. This is why we get away week in, week out to come before the Lord and see him rightly so that this is what we are declaring. 
Ephesians 1 says that Jesus is now raised high above every authority, every power, every dominion. All things are under his feet. All things are under his feet. We've got to have a holy boldness according to this truth. The biblical pattern and church history reveals that in the darkest moments, they always give way to some of the greatest outpourings of the Lord. You go through it, you always see this. So, so when we see nations raging in this moment right now, and we see rulers of the earth setting themselves against God, I want to stir you for hope that I believe we are standing on the door of something incredible. Something incredible. But it does not happen by chance. It doesn't happen by coincidence. It doesn't happen, happen by us being passive agents. It doesn't just happen by us hoping this whole thing passes away. Over and over when the nations would rage in the scriptures and church history, God always says, if my people, my people. But this is the beauty. We don't need to wait for other institutions and things to change. He just says, if my people start responding rightly, light is greater than darkness. So we don't need to wait for darkness to make changes. Jesus says, if my people start pursuing me this way, light will drive out the darkness. So if we in this hour discern it rightly, begin to pursue the Lord, man, the light that lives in us, the Lord says, that's all I need. That was actually the word that you said before. You have everything, God says, I have everything that I need in you. Everything that he needs is in us. Look, I don't want just things to pass by. I, don't, I, just, I don't believe that God is just wanting us to see it and discern it. That's the first step, but he wants us to embrace it. He wants us to engage with it. And so I want to contend for the greatness of the church in this hour. Like, I want to contend for the greatness of the church. And I believe if you're here, that you want to as well. Like, there's so much hunger in this room. Guys, if you call this is something bigger than ourselves, like what's happening. And we are going to just see things like just, man, move. We'll see things before we leave here today, I believe. <laughs> I really do. I really do. So how do, how do Christians make an impact in a, in, a, in a time and in a season when nations are raging, when rules of the earth are setting themselves and plotting against the Lord's anointed, his leadership, his word? I can tell you this. It's, it's not found in, in trying to uh, master online media. <laughs> like right now, I feel like one of the focuses is how does the church figure out how to continue what we're doing through the online? Now, we should do things with excellence, but I can tell you this. That is not what's going to make a dent when you have nations raging and rulers of the earth setting themselves against the anointed. We, we, like, we need something a little bit deeper than that. We need something deeper than conferences that tell us five keys on how to keep a first-time visitor. My inbox is flooded with these things. We need something deeper that, that, that tells us how to break the growth barriers of 200 people. Like, as a church, we, we've got to discern and realize, man, we are in need of an outpouring of God's spirit. It's what we need. It's what we need. We are in a Psalm 2 crisis. We need an Acts 2 outpouring. How do you get there, though? It's not by osmosis. It's a Joel 2 response. When we respond what says in Joel 2, we see an Acts 2 outpouring. This is the hour that we are in. So I want you to turn with me to Joel chapter 2. I want you to see how we are to respond in this hour. Joel chapter 2, God wants us to shine bright in this. Psalm 2 crisis, 
only thing that's going to touch this nation in hearts right now is an Acts 2 outpouring. But to get there, we need a Joel 2 response. Do you know that the reason why I'm saying that and follow with me is, is what Peter quotes in Acts is from Joel. But we need to see what comes before the outpouring. And this is where I believe like the Lord is really, really leading us. Joel chapter 2, I'm going to start in verses 12. Start in verse 12 and I'll read uh, maybe like 16 or so. I won't give you all the background. Joel chapter 1, it's, it's similar. There's a crisis in the nation. They had a locust plague. Economy was crushed. They were in real need of God reviving the land. There was so much going on. And I want you to see how the Lord instructs them. Starting in verse 12, Joel chapter 2. Look, it says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. You're gonna, we're going to go with We're going to see where this goes. He says, first, return to me with all your heart. We just said before, James 4, 8, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. The Lord is calling his people in this hour to come near to him, to, to give them their whole hearts. Come to me in fasting, weeping, and mourning. In other words, let your heart be tenderized and broken by what's happening in this hour. Don't, don't fall into depression, but you need to let your heart be moved so you have a burden for the things that are taking place. And if, if you don't and when I don't, what we need to do is get before his presence. Because he will give us his heart for what is happening in this hour. And this is the first thing. Fasting, weeping, like we're in, an, we're in a season, guys, of fasting. People, we don't talk about this stuff anymore. Like this is what real Christianity looks like. Like, like th this is it. It's not about gifting. It's not about this. It's about men and women that are hungry for the Lord. And, and this life will come and go, and I want my life to count for something of eternal value. And I know you guys do here as well. And I say, man, let's live for the one thing that matters, for the one thing that will endure through the ages. Like, we've got this community here. God has placed us here sovereignly for this reason. Verse 13, he says, rend your hearts and not your garments. When they, would, when they would fast, they would rip their garments. Now, that's ne not necessarily a wrong thing, but it is when you don't give them your heart. In other words, do not give me something outward and your heart's still detached from me. And I believe God in this hour, like in order to see the Acts 2 outpouring, we're going to move out of a spirit of religion. We're going to move out of a spirit of entertainment. And we're going to come into a place where we're not just offering up outer garments anymore, but we're offering up our hearts to him. We need to give him more than a consistent attendance on, on Sundays. Listen, he's worthy of that. We should be faithfully gathering, but he is worthy of so much more. That's, that's just offering a garment and not our heart. He's worthy of being honored with our vote on Tuesday. He is. It's the right thing. But listen to me. If all we do is give our vote and don't give our heart, we rend our garments and not our heart. He's worthy of something more. The church has to do more than have a good, healthy showing on Tuesday. They need to show up in the prayer room. They need to show up every day and say, God, here is my heart. Like it starts, that's a good first step. That's a necessary first step. But man, he needs, there's something deeper that has to happen here. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Verse 14, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. It's actually... That's a prophetic way, rhetorically, to actually say he will. He will leave a blessing. There will be something incredible when we turn our hearts to him. 
Verse 15. This is, guys, I felt like this is so important for us right here because we see this in Acts. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Listen, Joel doesn't play around. Joel is saying to, to the mother that's nursing, he says, no, no, no. Or actually, bring it. <laughs> Just do it in the prayer room. <laughs> I don't know, actually, but, but this is intense. <laughs> but he's saying, guys, normalcy of life, no, no, no. This is our number one priority. He says to the bride and the bridegroom, the bride is getting all ready for in her chamber. He says, no, wedding's on hold. We need to start seeking the Lord together. This is the hunger. This is what he's talking about. And he says, blow the trumpets. What's a trumpet? It's an alarm. It's an alarm. That's what it says. There, we're coming into an hour where I believe God is going to raise up trumpets. Not, not physical, but mouthpieces. That it's not going to be in this, in this boisterous way, but it's going to be, I, I'm unwavering. I'm not moving from this. I'm going to continually call people to the presence of God to seek him. And I don't care if, like Jeremiah, I preach it for 40 years. I'm going to keep preaching the same message. Trumpets are going to arise. You're going to hear that over and over and say, wait a minute. Every time he says, get before the Lord, get before the Lord. Because that's what's in the word. This is where our hearts get revived. Trumpets are going to arise. It's an alarm. Now listen to me. Alarms, they're not very pleasant. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Uh, has anyone ever had their alarm go off and, and wake up and say, praise the Lord? <laughs> maybe, maybe Caesar. See, Caesar's fully dressed. It just whips it off and steps right out. <laughs> listen, the alarm, the alarm, the alarm doesn't care how comfy your bed is. Doesn't care how warm it is in there and cold it is outside. Doesn't care how good your dreams were. When the alarm goes off, it has one purpose. Wake up and start moving in your purposes. And God is raising up trumpets, alarms that are going to say, wake up into all that God has for you. See it from his perspective. Return to him. And the great outpouring will come. Verse 15 and 16, again, when he says, blow the trumpet in Zion, listen to what he says, though, consecrate a fast. This is why the trumpet's blown. It's calling to the, to the gathering corporately of the saints. That's what's happening here. He says, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Why is this important? Because I love my own time with the Lord. I do. I love, you need to have that. Everything starts from personal intimacy. But there's a place where it must go beyond that. This is the hour that we're in. It's great for us to be all be personally connecting one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, but what this is saying is if you want to see an Acts 2 outpouring, it says it requires us to come together. So we've set up a prayer room in this place, Tuesdays and Fridays, and it will be more and more as God opens up doors. And there's many things, but I realize now God keeps showing me layers as to why he shifted us to do this. Because of the hour that we're in, we need to corporately come and come before the presence of God and seek him. We need this, guys. I need this. I need you. Because there's days when my heart starts to fade. I just want to go binge watch and Netflix and, and eat terrible food and give up on life. It's true. And then I come in and I see Brittany saying, God, you can do it this hour. And all of a sudden I'm like, put the food away. Shut off the Netflix. He can do it. And our hearts get stirred again. And I'm like, yes, we need each other. I need you. You need me. 
So we've got to come together. Guys, I pray that our prayer room is filled morning and night, that we have to say, man, we need more and more because we can't contain a body that corporately seeks the Lord in this hour. There's other things to come, but this is primary to every other activity that we do, is to connect with him. We are house-centered on the presence of the Lord. And listen, just to be real, when you come into the prayer room, sometimes it's anticlimactic. <laughs> like you're right now, you're like, yes! And you come in Tuesday morning, you're like, I can't even keep my eyes open for a moment. Sometimes glory comes. Friday, I was like really wrecked by the Lord. That happens, it's amazing. Sometimes it does, and you're like, this is it. And the Lord's like, yeah, yeah. There's actually glory in you just being faithful to this. I want your voice. I want your heart. I know you don't really feel anything right now, but you've got five loaves, two fishes. Give it to me right here. And all of a sudden, God starts breathing on what is happening here, breathing on this. So look at verse 28 of Joel, and this will lead us into Acts, and we'll close here. Verse 28, I love this. This is actually what Peter quotes in Acts, and we'll go to Acts in a moment. But look what verse 28 says. And it shall come to pass afterward. <laughs> After what? After Joel 12, verses 12 to 17. After rending your heart, after blowing the trumpets, after gathering corporally, after that, here's what the Lord said is going to happen. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter said in the last days, which means it wasn't a one-time outpouring, he said the last days, which is from the first coming of Christ to the second, will be continually categorized as fresh outpourings as we freshly render our hearts to him. It shall come to pass, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Guys, this is what we need in this hour. Like, we don't need man's strategy. We need people who have prophetic witness. We need people who have dreams and visions where God says, hey, this is what's going on in your life. This is what's happening. The person's like, what? God must be with you. He must be real. Like, this is, and I believe that we're just, like, right on the brink of this as we continue to press in. Verse 29, even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Anyways, he, can, he continues to quote Acts. Let's go to Acts. We'll finish here. Acts chapter 2. You're going to see this very thing. We're in a Psalm 2 crisis. We need an Acts 2 outpouring, which means we need a Joel 2 response. Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. How's everyone doing? You with me? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> because the Spirit of God is about to be poured out, and they're following the prescription of Joel 2. They're together. Ten days. Probably fasting, worshiping, pressing in, prayer, you name it. Ten days, this is what they're doing. They're doing the Joel thing. They're in a season of transition. There's so much going on. Christ has ascended. It's like, it's up to you. They're like, what are we going to do? And they're here seeking the Lord in the midst of this crisis. And they're going to see the, the fruit and the very, the very uh, promise of what God had said. Verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. <laughs> I was talking about this with Don before. I love the expressions that we give, and, it's, and, it, and we should give whatever the Lord's leading us, but they were sitting. <laughs> it's like, man, it has nothing to do with us. <laughs> God just says, will you just obey my word, come together and seek me. And while they're sitting, they're going to have one of the greatest outpourings of the Spirit of God. <laughs> Verse 3 says, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. 
each one of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Upper room, 120, gathering, 10-day fast, seeking the Lord. All of a sudden, Spirit of God comes, wind and fire fall, and they're speaking in other tongues. And there's a crowd. There's, there's, this is one of the largest Jewish festivals that people have come to travel. Probably a few thousand, hundred thousand people. They're all around, and they start hearing these people speak in tongues, their native language. They're so perplexed, confused, angry. This is a hostile crowd. There's a crowd that's mocking. And in the midst of that, kind of like things just raging around, a crisis, Peter's about to stand up in verse 14 now. Verse 14 says, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Peter, Peter who 50 days ago couldn't even preach to a servant girl. 50 days ago. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's clothed him. He's got boldness and power. And he's able to stand up to hostile, mocking crowds. You say, how do, I, how do I become a voice in this hour right now? We need another fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit to be able, in the face of all that's happening, declare God's truth in love and in grace, but the truth of God. And so it says this, men, he says this, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. He's like, it's too early for that, for some. <laughs> verse, and that verse 16, he says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, now he quotes Joel. He quotes the very thing that we read. Look, look at it. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Sun shall be turned to darkness, moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. Before the day of the Lord. Which means he has not yet come. This is the expectation we have as a body that these things would mark the before. We're in the before of that. And it says, verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. We're in an hour where as everyone calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Psalm 2 crisis, we respond like a Joel 2 response, Acts 2 outpouring. Now we're seeing everything that's going on, it just starts to change. Hearts start being touched. The first message of Christianity was Joel 2. Think about this. To describe the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Lord could have led Peter to quote Isaiah scriptures on it. There's scriptures in Jeremiah. There's scriptures in Ezekiel about the new heart, new spirit. But he chooses Joel, this minor prophet. Why? Because Joel gives us the model, the blueprint, the prescription of how to respond in the midst of crisis in order to see a fresh outpouring of the spirit. So here we are in this hour, and he says, Joel 2. And you do Joel 2, you'll see verse 28 of that. In the last days, in the last days, we are living in the last days. We are primed for, for a, a move of God in this way. We need it, guys. This nation needs it. We need to vote for leaders that, that absolutely adhere as best as, as we understand to the word of God. That, that, that's an important step, but we've got to rend our hearts. We can't rely on Caesar to do what the church is meant to be doing right now. 
He's looking to us like we're the people of God. So I'm going to ask worship or at least Caesar, Brittany, if you want to come up. Scripture says before, before the return of the Lord, I believe in my heart that we are being prepared for honestly the greatest outpouring that we have seen in this, in this nation on a global scale. The scriptures are clear. There's an interesting dynamic as we approach the return of the Lord. It seems that this intensification of the nation's raging happens, but so does the glory. <laughs> Because we are the light, so when darkness seems to get strong, the light burns that much brighter. And I believe that um, regions will be marked by his glory. Like I'm talking about, you can actually sense when you've come into a place where God is, is manifesting himself over. So what we're talking about here is we're not talking about doing an extra hour of service. It's not what we mean when we say God starts to really move and pour out. But we're talking about the spirit of God beginning to infiltrate drug homes. Begins to infiltrate crack homes. Begins to expose pedophile rings. Abusive homes. Fatherless homes. The spirit of God begins to move and touch hearts. People that are angry at God. Hearts just begin to be broken as they see who he really is. Bodies being restored inside and out. Great multitudes coming to know the Lord. Can you imagine that sight right now, right now down the street, people worshiping Jesus? Everywhere you go, someone has a testimony of how the Lord has touched their life. People that had a, that had a spirit of insanity have a right mind now. But man's wisdom can't do this. And so I just want to take a moment before we, we close this out. I just let the worship team lead us. But we need to rend our hearts before the Lord. And I believe it starts even right here. Right here. He's asking not just for your garments. He wants your heart. He wants relationship, not just religion. He wants you to be a part of this on the inside, not on the outside. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that your holy fire would consume us. And I pray, God, that you would take, you would take where there's passion and you'd make it obsession, Lord, for you. I pray where there's coldness, you would melt that away. 
and you'd begin to fan a flame even in this hour. I pray for those who feel, I feel those that feel like they're disconnected and it's just the way it goes in cycles, but the Lord is here. Draw near to him. Just get real and honest of where you are right now. He first wants to do it in your heart before he does it outside of you. I pray a fire released in our hearts here this morning, Lord. God, when we leave this place, there's such a hunger to be with you, to know your word. There's a holy boldness. Lord, as we give you our hearts this morning, I pray you would release freshly once again the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as, as, as the disciples were filled, not just in Acts 2, but in Acts 4, again and again and again, Lord, we need a fresh filling for some. God, where we've hit plateaus, we just speak to be broken in Jesus' name. Come on, this is a moment if we really yield to him. Like no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how hard it may seem, there's something greater that lives inside of you. It just begins by just being honest. Just tell them in your own words where you're at, what you desire. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we preached a few weeks ago the power of a day. Why not today? Why not today? My kids are waiting, I understand, I love my kids, but man, nothing will make me a better father than this right here, to be touched by the Lord freshly again. I've got things on my schedule that have to be done, but nothing will change my life more than this moment right here. We need it, Lord, we need it, Lord. We don't wanna just give you garments. We don't wanna just give you lip service. As best as we know how, we're yielding our hearts again this morning. Lord, I pray that, I just declare that the prayer room will be filled in Jesus' name, Lord. Filled, Lord, with your presence, with hungry hearts. Send the hungry, Lord. We come, Lord, we just posture our hearts. We sound the trumpets. I pray right now, God, over those that were stirred by that, that felt like I couldn't be that. Lord, release an identity of a trumpet in this hour. That they will be a mouthpiece. But I've been saved one day. Jesus healed a man possessed by many demons and said, you are now entrusted to be my mouthpiece to 10 cities right away. If you've been touched by the Lord and the Spirit of God is in you, you are qualified to go. Your voice matters. Come on, make this a house of prayer. If there's people even next to you, if there's things on your heart, tell your neighbor to start praying over you. Have them put hands on you and pray for you in this moment. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. It's going to put a fire inside. A fire inside of you.
Jesus, you. 
Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.
the Son of Man, stories of a Savior, holiness with human hands, treasure for the traitor, thank you Jesus. No ears heard, no eye has seen The image of the Father Until heaven came to live with me A rescue like no other
You did not speak, you made no sound. You died for your accusers. And as your blood fell to the ground, you redefined my future. Yeah, on that day that you arose, the darkness ran for cover. For the King of Kings has claimed his throne. Now until forever.
Thank you, Lord. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> I don't <laughs> Man, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing right here in Mastic Beach. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you've invited us to be a part of it. And Lord, I pray that what has been initiated here would become the mark of this season. May we be found in a Joel 2 expression, Lord. For we acknowledge your word is true and your presence is enough. And so we'll, we will forever anchor ourselves in you, Lord. Whatever that looks like, God. Wherever we meet, we want you, Lord. We want you. And I pray, God, that you would call the hungry. Call the hungry, Lord. Seal everything that you've done here, Holy Spirit. That every single seed that's been planted would remain and bear hundredfold, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, oh, just a reminder, tomorrow we'll be here again from 1 to 2. For those of you who can join, if not, watch online or we'll send the email out. But very important, all right? God bless you guys. Have an awesome, awesome day.